This is the Actionable UX Podcast, where we provide research-backed insights you can use right now to start building world-class product experiences. I'm your host, Austin Acevedo. For each episode in the series, I'll present a new topic or effect, summarize a key scientific study related to that topic, and offer a few examples for how you can implement it today. This episode, we're talking about dual process theory, system one versus system two thinking. After this episode, you'll have a clear understanding of the foundation for building high quality UX and how to make your product more intuitive to use. Let's get started. Dual process theory suggests we have two general modes or systems of thinking that we use to navigate our everyday lives. System 1 refers to our automatic, reactive, emotional, unconscious thought processes that occur almost instantaneously without conscious effort. System 2 refers to our mode of thinking that is slow, deliberate, intentional, and analytical. A few examples of System 1 thinking include when we detect someone is having a curt tone with us, when we are startled by a loud noise, or determine that one object is closer to us than another. It's the thought that immediately pops in our heads when we are asked the question, what color is the sky? Or notice the smell of fresh baked bread. System 1 thinking allows us to process great amounts of information with incredible efficiency, requires no effort, and is running all the time. When our minds encounter a more difficult task that requires mental effort, our minds enter System 2 thinking. System 2 thinking also occurs when we are confronted with something that conflicts with our existing beliefs of how the world works. A few examples of tasks that require System 2 thinking include complex math problems, driving around a location that is unfamiliar to us without directions, or when we're engaged in a competitive sport. We simply cannot accomplish more than one of these types of tasks simultaneously. System 2 thinking hones in our focused attention on the specific task at hand. Dual process theory is a huge topic and has had many contributors over the years, but was first proposed in the late 1800s by William James in his book, The Principles of Psychology. His ideas have been expanded upon in numerous papers and by various psychologists over the years, but most recently has been discussed by Daniel Kahneman in one of his pivotal books on behavioral science, Thinking Fast and Slow. I highly recommend this book to anyone who is interested in diving deep into how to build intuitive products. Kahneman mentions a handful of experiments to demonstrate dual process theory in his book, and I'll be citing two papers with key experiments noted. The first experiment is called the Stroop Test, first demonstrated by John Ridley Stroop in his 1935 paper, The Journey of Experimental Psychology. In this experiment, Stroop created a list of words comprised of the names of colors. Some words were written using the same color ink as the name of the color, for example, the word blue being written in blue ink. Others were written in a color of ink that did not match the word, for example, the word blue being written in red ink, the word yellow being written in green ink, and so on. He then asked a group of participants to name the color of the ink in which each word was written. As you might have guessed, when the color of ink matched the word, such as the word blue being written in blue ink, participants were able to respond with the correct answer almost instantaneously. However, when the word did not match the color of the ink, 
participants required significantly more time to respond with the correct answer. However, when the word did not match the color of the ink, participants required significantly more time to respond with the correct answer. Why does this occur? When the word did not match the color of the ink, participants had to override their initial response and focus on the color of the ink instead of the word written. This experiment demonstrates that when we are presented with a stimulus that is incongruent with our expectations, our brains have to work harder to make sense of it. This then puts us in system two thinking, which slows down our reaction time and lengthens the time it takes for us to successfully accomplish tasks. Our second experiment is called the Cognitive Reflection Test, which was first introduced by Shane Frederick in his 2005 paper, Cognitive Reflection and Decision Making. I'm going to run through the following experiment with you, so be prepared to answer the following question and note your answer to yourself. Answer as quickly as possible. A bat and a ball cost $1.10 total. The bat costs $1 more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? Feel free to either commit to your quick answer or pause the podcast to think about it. Alright, so regardless of if you stop to think about it further or not, what was your immediate answer? Was it 10 cents? If you pause to think about it, you might have come to the right answer, which is actually that the ball costs 5 cents. What Shane Frederick demonstrated in this study is that 50% of participants settled for their impulsive answer, which was always 10 cents, and answered incorrectly. The other 50% that took their time to think about the problem provided the correct answer of 5 cents. Frederick indirectly demonstrated our two modes of thinking, System 1, which acts impulsively, and System 2, which requires our focused attention and takes more time for us to reason about identifying the correct answer. Learn how to implement this into your product after the break. If you want to boost your career in UX UI design or just want to learn more about how to build world-class products, I can't recommend the Interaction Design Foundation enough. IXDF offers a comprehensive platform where you can learn everything from foundational principles to advanced UX knowledge. Their resources helped me build my very own career in UX, and I know they can do the same for you. As an actionable UX podcast listener, the Interaction Design Foundation is offering an exclusive deal of three free months off your yearly membership. To take advantage of this killer offer, simply visit the link provided in the description of this episode or find it on our website at theactionableuxpodcast.com. Now, let's dive back into this episode. Happy learning. Welcome back. Here are your examples for how to implement dual process theory into your product right now. Dual process theory is foundational and far-reaching in the world of UX. If you're serious about building great products, Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow explores the vast impact it has on our decision making, and I can't recommend it enough. Dual process theory is part of what explains the concept of cognitive load, which is the amount of mental effort required to process and understand information. Regarding user experience, it defines how hard a person has to think about interpreting or accomplishing something. In terms of applying dual process theory, we want our products to keep our users and System 1 thinking as much as possible in almost all cases. To review, System 1 is our automatic, intuitive, instantaneous mode of thinking. 
When we perceive a product as easy to use, it is because it requires little to no effort for us to interpret the product visually or for us to understand what actions we need to take in order to accomplish a specific task. This is generally the principle people associate with building good user experience. There are many factors that contribute to making a product intuitive, but here are a few high-level concepts to think about. User mental models are a key concept here. A mental model is a person's understanding of how a system works. This is formed mostly by a person's past experience. In other words, it's how we expect the things around us to work based on how we've interacted with similar things in the past. Mental models allow us to look at a door handle and understand that we can pull open the door it's attached to or understand how to drive a car regardless of the make or model. We have mental models for how information on a page is organized, what a clickable button looks like, and so on. The more we can match how a user would expect to interact with something based on their past experience, the better chance we have of keeping them in System 1 thinking. Building an experience that requires the least amount of mental effort for a user as possible is what makes most products feel easy and intuitive to use. This is also why visual design is so important. When an interface is aesthetically pleasing, people actually perceive it to be easier to use. This is called the aesthetic usability effect. When we minimize the amount of extra elements on a page or product, it reduces the amount of time and effort needed for our users to interpret how to navigate it. This allows the user to focus on how to use the product to accomplish their task with ease. Good design solves a problem. Great design solves a problem in an elegantly simple way that is pleasing to the eye. Keeping our users in System 1 thinking should be the goal the vast majority of the time. However, what most product builders forget to consider is that there are many instances where System 2 thinking is unavoidable and often desirable depending on the task at hand. This includes any instance where good judgment is really important. This can be any time someone has to make a complex decision, solve a difficult problem, evaluate information, manage risk, or make ethical decisions. This can range from playing competitive games with friends, making financial decisions for your family, or any task that is mission critical. Think about firefighters putting out a wildfire, or surgeons performing a procedure. Yes, we want as much of their skills to be as instinctual as possible, but these tasks by nature are extremely complex. In these instances, we actually need to optimize for supporting System 2 thinking instead of trying to eliminate it. This is precisely what I see most product builders miss. In these use cases, System 2 thinking is not only unavoidable, but it's absolutely necessary because we want these users to think carefully and act with the best judgment possible. So how do we apply this to building better products? When users are working through complex flows or tasks, they often will take longer to complete them, so consider allowing users to save their work and come back where possible. Help users by breaking their tasks into smaller chunks and reduce the perceived effort while encouraging them by showing them their progress. For mission critical cases, consider how to present relevant information at the right time that goes away when it's no longer needed. When your users are evaluating information, optimize for readability and enabling them to successfully scan large datasets with ease. If ethical decisions require keeping track of many variables, consider giving your user a place to take notes or where you can show relevant details. 
The key thing here is ask yourself how you can support your users when they are required to spend focused effort to accomplish their tasks. Reducing cognitive load is one of the main drivers for producing intuitive products. In the frame of dual process theory, this means keeping your users in system one thinking as much as possible in the majority of cases. However, there are also many tasks where system two thinking is unavoidable and often desirable, especially in instances where acting with good judgment is critical. We make products more intuitive by reducing the amount of mental effort it takes to use them and supporting users when they are required to expend mental effort to accomplish more complex tasks. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to dive deeper in today's concept or check out the rest of our content, please head to our website at theactionableuxpodcast.com. If you'd like to help support the show so we can continue to help you build better products, you can do that at our Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash theactionableuxpodcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.